we we talked a little bit about this. Like, okay, Sac State came and really put the whoop down on us a little bit. Whoop down. What kind of freaking phrase is that? Um, <laughs> they they beat us handily. Uh, <laughs> whoop down. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. This is the second episode of our week, our first one we recapped the bye and now we're going to preview the Fighting Hawks of North Dakota. Thorny, how are you doing tonight? You know, I'm doing pretty good. You probably noticed right off the bat, my sound isn't where it normally is because my computer is currently in use by someone else in this house in a emergency situation, we'll say. So I'm using the old headset that you and I bought last year to upgrade our sound initially, and we've since moved on. But yeah, it's kind of bringing back some memories, actually. But yes, my sound will not sound as good tonight. You have the coach headphones on? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, except uh, <laughs> not even close to that kind of quality. These were made for, like, you know, call centers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thorny, this is this is our second episode of the week, and it is kind of a special one because we have a special guest that we're going to play our interview from, Sam Herter, Hero Sports. He was fortunate enough to, or we were fortunate enough to have Sam. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, Sam, you were lucky to be on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank Sam in advance. Uh, he's a good guy, and we uh, were able to record a spot with him to talk a, a little bit about the game. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the main thing that we'll be talking about in this in this podcast. First, we're going to do, uh, as we always do, we're going to talk about our beer. We're going to go into the news, although there is not much news that we can talk about. We will talk a little bit about the press conference as we did in our last episode. And then we're going to introduce our Sam Herter segment. So we'll play that sound for you. Uh, we'll come out of there, and Thorny and I will give our thoughts on UND, and we'll wrap it up going away. Sounds good. Sounds like a good plan. Awesome. So, Thorny, what do you got on tap tonight? Well, I am pretty much out of beer, except for, you might have guessed it, the Oktoberfest I'm still drinking. Uh, at least on the last episode we did a few days ago, I did something good. Went and got a nice beer specifically for the episode. But now back to my fallback, which is still in the fridge. So there you go. What do you got on tap over there? Well, Thorny, how many of those 30 Oktoberfests have you plowed through yet? I'm There's at least 10 still in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah, I'm, I mean, I could. I could be drinking this the rest of the season if I really play my cards right. Well, I was just going to say, if you come on next week, drinking Oktoberfest, I'm boycotting. Hey, I'm done. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm drinking beer I like. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) Fair enough. Thorny, I am really stretching myself tonight on my beer selection. I am drinking a double chocolate stout from Young's Brewing Company. That is a beer that was recommended to us last year, now that I am remembering. Oh, who did that come from? That is right. I don't remember. Somebody, we like we asked on the board someone to recommend some beers. Someone recommended that one, and I went out and bought it and drank it, and it's amazingly delicious. What do you think of it? Yeah, super smooth, very chocolatey. Man, I'm, 
I'm almost done with it. I was waiting for you to get on and I just kept stepping it back and just, you know, <laughs> I was waiting for you. And now, now I'm about done with this. So it's been, it's been really good. I will definitely buy this again. Something that the people don't know listening to this, uh, beer management is a hard part of doing this podcast. Sometimes we drink all of our beer before we start. Sometimes you drink it right off the bat. You just, you got to kind of manage your beer the entire time or have a backup beer. Yeah, it, it, this is important things that we do on the podcast behind the scenes you may not know about. So now you know. <laughs> I typically come into these episodes with two beers. I have the one that I'm uh, going to talk about, and then I have my backup beer. So about 20 minutes in, and when we're done with it, <laughs> we just keep it going. <laughs> no, there's nothing worse than like getting about halfway through. We've done 20 minutes in, and you finish your beer. So yeah, backup beer, very crucial. Yep. All right, Tony. Hey, we didn't have much news going into this game. The one thing that stood out to me was the news on Mitch Greibel. Did you hear about the story that came out about Mitch? Yep, I read it. I read the whole thing, and there's some shocking details in there. <laughs> so the story goes, if you, if you haven't read it, I, I'm not, I, do, I don't even remember the person who wrote the article. I believe it's the Grand Fork Herald, right? Yep. Okay, I think so. Uh, Mikey... Gravel, his brother, is playing for UND. And he had offers from Montana State Air Force and uh, UND. And he, cho- he chose to go to North Dakota. So Mikey calls up Mitch this week and says, who are you rooting for? And Mitch is quoted in the article saying North Dakota. And you know what? That's just not okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he was once a captain for Montana State. I'm calling you out, Mitch Gravel. That's just not okay. I know your brother. I know your blood is on the green side of this of this matchup this week, but that's just not cool, man. I, I'm not cool with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I would do, but I probably what I would do in that situation is just wouldn't put anything out on record. <laughs> of course, I'm not sure he meant for that to be on record, but uh, there it is. I think his little brother ratted him out a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, my, let's say my son grows up to be a football player and, like, Place for Eastern Washington over here in Cheney. I'm still rooting for the Cats. You know, I'll, I'll root for my son, but I, I I don't root for the cat. I don't root for the Eagles. I won't become. You Eagle say fan. that now. You say that now. That's easy for you to say right now. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. I I don't think you can go back once you become a Bobcat fan. I don't think you can play for a team and then all of a sudden say, yeah, I'm gonna root for the other one. I don't think you know. In in my gut, I don't think Mitch is going to be rooting for really any side in that game. He's probably going to be happy his brother's playing. I, you know, honestly, I bet he's going to be pulling for the Cats. At least that's what I want to think now. Got a bad taste in my stomach about that. Well, who do we got going out to the game, recovering the game? We need to get a hold of whatever media is going out there. Find Mitch Greibel in the stands and see what kind of shirt he has on. He's not too tall, so he's probably easy to miss. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, we'll move on from <laughs> dogging on Mitch Greibel. <laughs> we love you, Mitch, if you're listening. We love you. <laughs> he, uh, I remember one thing, one more thing about uh, Mitch Greibel. That game uh, he played in Grand Forks, he had a 61-yard touchdown pass to Manny Caulfield. Yeah, and I do. Actually, I remember that quite well. By yourself, real quick, Mitch Greibel is our starting quarterback if, he play, if he's playing right now. <laughs> uh i'm gonna sell that yeah yeah i'd sell it too <laughs> but it's not an 
like a quick, easy dismissal, though. Well, he's kind of like the same guy that Kevin Cassis is, right? Yeah, he is, they both yeah. played. They both played quarterback in their senior years of high school, and then both have similar roles for the Bobcats. Yep, yep. That's a good comparison. So let's move into a little North Dakota talk. Uh, they're four and three overall right now. Uh, some of our listeners might not know that they are an independent team right now. They were part of the Big Sky, but they're moving over to the Missouri Valley Conference next year. Uh, they they're largely inconsistent right now. We're going to hear Sam Herder from Hero Sports talk about that just in a moment, and uh, well, he's going to just break down his thoughts on that. Yep, it was a good interview with Sam Herder. I'm excited to share it with you, but. Um... To go back to what you just said, I want to make sure everyone knows that um, North Dakota is a conference foe currently. It's not for them because they don't have a conference, so they're basically just looking at an at-bid berth if they're going to get in the playoffs. But this counts as a conference standing game for us. It's a little confusing, but this is definitely a conference game. The final year, it's interesting that North Dakota was our rival when they were joined in and the Big Sky got all those crazy teams and a Sunday one rival. So we had some good matchups with North Dakota, but then we ended up getting uh, yet again traded a North Dakota school for Northern Colorado. This just in time for our rivalry. So (laughs) (laughs) it's an interesting path. North Dakota has taken, I think, Missouri football conference is ultimately probably the best fit for them. Geography. I mean, in every way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know how they're going to fare in the Missouri Valley Conference. That's a really tough conference. But It'll be very curious to see how they fare. Yeah, but easier travel for them, if nothing else. All right, Thorny. So let's uh, queue up that Sam Herder interview that we had, and we'll play it for you right now. Um, real quick, before we play that for you, I do want to say we had some audio difficulties with the software we were running. So I have not yet listened to it or edited it at the time of me saying this, which is kind of comical, but... um there's going to be some dead air and there's going to be a few things I have to clean up. But overall, the interview was really fun and most of it came through pretty clean. So we're going to go and play that for you now. So enjoy. Right now we have Sam Herder, senior FCS analyst from Hero Sports. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, Sam. Uh, we're both big fans of Hero Sports and everything you guys do for the just for the division of football that we love so much, and we enjoy your podcast quite a bit. So appreciate you taking some time to come on to our podcast here tonight. Yeah, of course. So we're just going to ask Sam a few questions about the upcoming North Dakota Fighting Hawks game that the Bobcats travel to Grand Forks here on Saturday, and we're also going to ask him a few questions about um, his overall thoughts about the Montana State program so far. Let's start off with those Montana State questions. Sam, what are your overall impressions of the 2019 Bobcats? Yeah, it's been really an interesting team to follow from, from a national perspective. I, I had pretty high expectations for the Bobcats. Some performances that, uh, you, you know, to me maybe shine some, some weaknesses in this team, you know, I, I thought, I don't think the defense is maybe playing up to their standard and, and we all know about the, the quarterback issues in, in the passing game, but um, you know, overall with Montana state sitting at five and one, you know, still sitting just fine. And I think they're um, they're a solid team and I expected them to be a solid team. 
So you think still that, you know, Montana State goes eight and four with a loss to UM and UC Davis, if that happens, they're still in? Yeah, I do think so. In this situation, the, the Bobcats would be eight and four. And I think anytime a team from the CAA, the Big Sky, or the Missouri Valley goes eight and four and has eight Division One wins, there's a really good chance that team is going to make the playoffs. So I do think the Bobcats, like I said, five and one right now, they, they certainly have a lot of things to, to figure out and clean up. Um, but, you know, I know that that Sacramento State loss wasn't pretty. Uh, you know, as, as it turns out, Sacramento State is legit. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do think Montana State is sitting fine right now at five and one. And, and they, their, their schedule, these next three games, I think they should get wins. It's not going to be easy. But I do think, you know, th- this team can hit that eight win mark before the, the final two games of the regular season. No, the only solace I take in that Sac State loss is Troy Taylor, the coach at Sac State, seems to be playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a great coach. He's a gr- he's a great play caller, and that just goes to show what good coaching can do for a team filled with talent. And he's to, to me, I think he's the front runner for for the for the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year award. Oh, for sure, he has to be. So let's hope that the Bobcats took the bye week to kind of clean some things up for the upcoming game against. North Dakota, which another team that's kind of hard to figure out, like the Bobcats a little bit. They've played particularly well at home, it looks like, at other times have not played very well. In your opinion, what what have they done to be successful at home? Why are they such a better team at home? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I, I would say that, um, you know, maybe it's, Maybe they just play well at home because it's indoors, but then you look at their schedule. They went to Idaho State, uh, which is an indoor facility, and they laid an egg there. And, you know, they, they this last week they, they played at Cal Poly, gorgeous weather, and, you know, they got a win, but, but it wasn't always pretty. So I'm not sure, you know, what it is about their their home stadium. They they do draw a decent crowd. It's not the it's not the NDSU Fargo Dome by any means as far as the atmosphere and the crowd noise, but, you know, maybe they do feed off of that energy and they play really well at home um, and, you know, might have to do with, with the opponents as well. I'm not sure, but uh, this team does seem to, to play a lot better at home than they do on the road. So what has been their stumbling blocks in their losses? Their, their defense has been really inconsistent. You know, to me, even when I go back to the NDSU game and, and I, you know, studied that game up pretty well to get to get a feel for UND, it was a, a 38-7 loss, but I thought UND's run defense, uh, for the most part, did pretty well uh, against the Bison. But then a couple weeks later, in the snow in Cheney, Eastern Washington ran all over uh, the Fighting Hawks. And, you know, then uh, – then UND got a big win against UC Davis. And then the next week, the defense lets up 55 points uh, at Idaho State. So it's just the, the, the consistency on defense. And, and I know they're battling injuries, but it seems like one week, everything is clicking and everything is schemed up well and the, and the players are executing. And then the next week, there's just, you know, safeties are biting on play actions or, the, you know, the defensive ends are, are, are crashing down on quarterback keepers and it's just, you know, kind of sloppy play. So I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to figure that out. But at the same time, we're talking about, the, we're talking about 18 to 23 year old college kids and, you know, maybe some weeks their, their money through Friday preparation is good and other weeks it's not, but yeah, it's just that consistency that, that is really coming back to, to hurt UND. So when we used to watch uh, North Dakota back when they were in the big sky, mm-hmm. they were a power running team and they seem 
to be a more of a spread right now. Am I seeing that right? Yeah, yeah. So they they uh, they they got rid of their offensive coordinator last year, and and they they hired their wide receivers coach, or they elevated, I guess I should say, their wide receivers coach Danny Freund uh, to be the offensive coordinator. And it's interesting that they ran that kind of that 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 fullback, two tight ends, you know, power offense in the Big Sky. And then now, now that they're tra- transitioning over to the Valley, you know, they're, they're kind of going to the big sky type of offense where, where they spread things out a little bit, but yeah, they, they, they have adjusted their offense. You know, they lose, they, they, they use less tight ends. They don't use a fullback. They spread things out. They, they try to get the ball out to their athletes in space. And it's kind of that interesting kind of mix right now of, I don't think they have the, the overall athletes at wide receiver right now to run that efficiently. Uh, they they still have some pretty good receivers, but they're kind of in that rebuilding mode where you know last year they had the players to run you know a power offense. This year they're trying to spread it out a little bit more, and and they have seen some struggles of in this type of offense. You need really good athletes on the outside that that can make people miss, and I, I don't think they have that right now. And they need to do a better job of, of getting those type of receivers in recruiting. Well, it seems like the quarterback, Nate Ketteringham, is throwing the ball pretty well. I have noticed the last three games, he's averaged 291 yards per game. Uh, Funny story about Nate Kettering, I'm sure, uh, if you're not familiar, he actually started at Sacramento State, transferred to North Dakota, had to sit out a year, I believe, due to transfer rules, and finally getting his shot at North Dakota. But do you think the offense kind of runs through Nate Ketteringham, uh, or do you think his passing stats are more of a product of just kind of getting in some shootouts where they've had to kind of keep pace with some teams scoring on their defense. I think they do run the offense through him, through him. Um, you know, they ask a lot of him, uh, you know, to make the right decisions, to make the right reads. It's a, I wouldn't call it a, a lightning quick tempo type of offense, but they are up tempo, um, you know, where he needs to make some quick decisions, uh, get the ball out quick. So I do think, um, you know, w- when he's feeling it, uh, the team goes where he goes. And then there are other games where against Eastern Washington, he threw a handful of interceptions and he just didn't have it that game. And, you know, that, that was a game where he was coming off of injury. So that might be uh, a little excusable, but uh, what UND does have is they have a couple kind of longer lankier wide receivers and, and Kettering Ham does a good job of getting the ball out to them and, you know, putting it in a spot where they can catch it. It does seem like when he's, when he's on points, uh, the whole team kind of rallies around that. They were able to beat Sam Houston State with their backup quarterback. Uh, the name's escaping me. Is it Tommy Schuster? Is that his name? Yep. So it proves that they can at least move the ball and win some games without Ketteringham. So that's always a good sign for an offense. Yeah. And, you know, Schuster, I believe, is a true freshman. And, um, you know, it it is a and this is not to take away from any of their skill sets, but it, it is a, it is a system that's friendly to quarterbacks um, because like I said, they, they get the ball out of their hand pretty quick. So you don't, so they don't have to, you know, worry about defensive linemen crashing down on them. So it, it is a nice system for quarterbacks. Um, and, and especially one that likes to sling it around. And I do think Ketteringham, uh, I don't know if I would call him a risk taker, but, but I think he, he certainly trusts his arm strength and, and he'll let it rip uh, when he needs to. So on the opposite side of the ball, what can we expect to see defensively in their alignments? Yeah, they they run a, I, I believe they run a four three. I, I hope I'm not mistaken on that as I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But, um, you know, they're a, a pretty aggressive defense. They they pride themselves on on stopping the run, 
And like I mentioned earlier, they, they've kind of been inconsistent in being able to do that. But, you know, uh, Mason Bennett is a, is a really good defensive end for them. I, I like some of their inside linebackers. So I think they're, they're pretty stout up the middle and they pride themselves on stopping the run. And, you know, obviously to beat this Montana State team, uh, we know what the Bobcats are going to do. They're, they're, they're going to run the ball and they're going to, you know, try to beat you with the run in a variety of different ways. So it's, mm-hmm. it, I think it's strength versus strength uh, in this game. That's going to be a very interesting matchup for sure. And uh, I think the guy you mentioned there, Mason Bennett, I believe he actually got injured in the Cal Poly game. I think they actually lost several defensive linemen in that game. So Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's, yeah, uh, now that I think of it, I do remember by the end of that game, they had something like a, a sophomore and a, and a redshirt freshman and another redshirt freshman on that defensive line. Uh, and when you're playing a triple option offense, that, that's never ideal, but they were able to, to hold on. Um, but yeah, that, that's an unfortunate injury for Bennett because I do think he's a, he's a pro talent. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's from uh, Canada. And I think there's a decent chance he could be a CFL draft pick. So, you know, hopefully I, I don't know what that injury is, but, but hopefully he can come back pretty quick. Yeah. Well, every time that we play Cal Poly, you always like, it's ugly. You hope you win and you hope, you don't get hurt with all their mm-hmm. shot blocks they're running all game long. It's never yeah. fun as a defensive lineman. I can't imagine just having guys dive at your feet the entire game. Yeah, that's that's got to be one of the most annoying offenses to to try and stop, not only because of the, all, all the fakes, but like you said, yeah, the offensive linemen are kind of taught to, to to take you out of the play by diving at your knees, and that's, you know, you, you hope those injuries uh, don't happen at the knees or the legs for defensive linemen. So, Sam, um, what do you think is like the key things for Montana state in this coming weekend? Well, I, I do think that they have to find a way to be a little bit balanced. And, you know, that that's kind of football one-on-one, especially with Montana state who is a really good running team, uh, but does struggle to, to throw the ball. But I mean, UND is going to do what every team does and they're going to sell out to stop the run. And, and like I've been saying, they've sometimes they've been very, very good at stopping the run and other times they really haven't been. And I think for Montana State, uh, they, they need to find some balance there and, and, you know, kind of stretch the defense out. So, you know, they're not uh, packing the, the box. And I think that all goes back to the Montana State offensive line. You know, like I said, the, the UND defensive line is getting thin and, and, and they're young and when you have a veteran offensive line going up against a, you know, some defensive linemen that are that are three years younger than than them, you know, just that maturity process, you would think that offensive line would be able to lean on them and lean on them and, and create some big holes. And I, so I think that is the key for Montana State is to obviously establish a line of scrimmage, but you know, get some balance there uh, on offense and maybe try to hit some home runs over the top in the passing game. That would be nice to see. I mean, uh, hopefully, uh, they just came out with an article on Tucker Rovick today, and he was mentioning the same thing, that he needs to find some balance. You know, some things he did well, but some things he can improve on, and I, I'm sure hitting some shots over the top is on the forefront of his mind. It seems like at times he, he doesn't feel fully comfortable or fully confident um, you know, when he's about to make a throw, and uh, I think the raw talent is there for, for Tucker Rovick, and he's a big guy. Uh, has has good arm strength, and I think once he gains that confidence, um, and he's com- and he's comfortable making some throws and making some reads, uh, that we can really see this offense really start to put up some points. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, the game just still needs to slow down a little bit for him because he certainly mm-hmm. has the physical tools. But there's been several games this year where there's a guy just streaking wide open, he just doesn't see him. So I think I think a lot of it is like you said, just confidence, 
and just getting some reps. And I think the game will slow down for him. And hopefully it starts to come here with the bye week um, against North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. And game reps, I mean, it always gets a quarterback more, more comfortable and the more game reps, uh, you know, then all of a sudden they start seeing that, that wide open guy and they, they see it on film and they, and they know what they need to correct. Well, we kind of harped on this in our episode earlier this week. Uh, we don't do any Tucker Rovig any favors with our crazy quarterback rotation wildcat lining up Tucker Rovig at wide receiver quite a bit. Uh, we're not huge fans of that. We'll just leave it right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, not to put you on the spot here, you don't have to answer this, but uh, who do you have in this game? Yeah, I, I, I'm leaning my in, in a 12-game schedule, um, and so I think wins like this is what UND needs, and so and they probably do know that. So you know you're going to see a motivated UND team, but I, I just think with Montana State, they're they're going to correct some things. They had that bye week. Now you know we we saw how with the Grizz they didn't look all too great, you know, coming off of their bye week this last week. So, you know, a team can can come out looking a little lackadaisical and rusty off of their bye week, or they can come out looking well-prepared and, you know, executing the game plan and, you know, having everything stay on script with their first offensive drive, first couple offensive drives. So we'll see what the Bobcats look like coming out. But, you know, I just think overall, if you line up, you know, talent for talent, I think Montana State is the better football team, and I do think they will get the win. Well, we certainly appreciate that vote of confidence here. Um, <laughs> uh, Sam, thanks again for coming on. I think we're about done here with all of our questions. Um, appreciate you coming on. But one thing I do want to talk about, we've noticed I've seen Hero Sports in the news quite a bit this year. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Hero Sports is up to? Yeah, so it's it's an it's an interesting, um, you know, kind of kind of uh, thing we have going on because there's there's two parts of hero sports one is the the content and and the hero sports.com side of things uh but we also have a a sister company i guess you can call it that falls under our umbrella called data scribe um and that's kind of our technology side of things where um you know our our engineers and the the people that are that are way smarter than me over in seattle they've basically developed a technology that can you know, ingest uh, game data and, and spit out uh, an AP style game recap uh, within minutes. And, and that's something that athletic departments uh, really are enjoying. And we've partnered up with a number of athletic departments to, to, to um, give them this technology where, where basically, you know, once the game wraps up, they send the people in Seattle uh, the post game XML, and then they have to go and do, you know, social media, they have to go and, and line up post-game press conferences and stuff like that and by, that by the time they get it done they don't have to worry about typing up the game recap on, on the on the bus or you know heading back to the locker room or heading to the airport uh we have that right there for them and um yeah it's kind of a, a new technology but we've had partnerships with the ap and university of washington and we we have a lot of uh, university of michigan just came on so that that's kind of our our behind the scenes stuff of what hero sports and data scribe does that that people won't see on the website. Uh, sounds like pretty cutting edge stuff there. That's pretty, pretty awesome sounding. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm just a writer for hero sports.com. I, <laughs> I have no idea how the, how they figured out how to use this system, but um, it, it's something that um, is really cool to see, especially that we have some FCS schools and we have some big time FBS schools that are taking advantage of this. Sam, where can our listeners find your work and hero sports work? 
Yeah, HeroSports.com uh, is our website. Uh, I believe our Twitter handle is HeroSportsFCS. And then my personal Twitter, Twitter handle uh, is SamHerderFCS. So I'd love uh, you know, to, uh, for you guys to give me a follow and interact with my stuff. Um, I, I know you guys do, and I, and I always do love that interaction with FCS fans. Right on. Well, thanks, Sam, for coming on. We appreciate your work. I love listening to your podcast during the week. I'm always amazed about how much you know about everything, you and Brian. I mean, I must take just hours of your week just to catch up on all the games. And I was just wondering before we head out, are you excited about the weekend or you're heading over to Brookings, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, you know, it's always a hectic week um, on Saturdays when we're trying to pay attention to – 30 40 50 different games and results and you know staying on top of all that and it, it gets a little more hectic when we do travel just because it, it's it's tougher to pay attention to what's going on nationally when we're sitting in a press box watching one game instead of multiple screens but I mean Brookings I, I live in the Minneapolis area so Brookings is four hours away from me it's number one versus number three ESPN's college game day is coming to town uh, I had some SDSU and NDSU fans ask me if I would be there and I really didn't have an excuse not to go, uh, you know, as, as a national FCS writer, you know, that's kind of a place I need to be because it's a big game and it's going to be, it's going to be quite the scene to see Bison and Jackrabbit fans. Well, I think the new big sky commissioner had a lot to do with the uh, ESPN game day going to Brookings with the whole FCS on game day hashtag movement that we all participated in. So you're welcome Brookings. <laughs> Yeah, that was really cool to see everyone around the FCS, you know, kind of get that hashtag trending. And that was that was spearheaded by the uh, kind of by the, the big the big sky offices. That, w- that was really cool to see. And, you know, I think it I, th- I think it worked out. All right, Sam. Well, thanks again for coming on and enjoy your trip to Brookings. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks Sam. All right. Well, that was our interview with Sam Herger of Hero Sports. Once again, I want to thank Sam for coming on. It was a lot of fun having it on, and I apologize to Sam and to listeners for the audio glitches we did have, but it was still a great interview and learned a lot about the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, who I still want to call the Fighting Sioux in my head. I have to correct myself every time. Oh, yeah. I bet you there's some holdouts out there still. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of people who absolutely refuse to get on board with the fighting Hawks. How long ago was that now? About four years. Mm, Yeah. That sounds about right. So I'm a, I'm a dad. So four years is probably more like seven because my sense of time is completely gone. (laughs) Anytime I think something is a year, like fairly recently, it's like at least twice what I think it is. (laughs) Right. It's so true. All right. Well, that was a uh, yeah. Again, it was a lot of fun. So let's actually start talking a little bit about what we think about the game. Um, how do I want to start this? Uh, so they are inconsistent, as Sam Herger mentioned. So what I did, I, I kind of analyzed. I looked into the statistics of what may have been the jumped off the page when you look at their their victories, which were mostly home wins. I think they won. They just beat Cal Poly on the road for their only road win, and it took a last second field goal, I believe, and a fourth down stand to win that game. The rest of them at home, they beat Drake, but they beat two ranked top 25 teams at the time. And, and I think both are still currently top 25. I'm not, not mistaken, but they beat Sam Houston state with their backup quarterback, Tommy Schuster, and they beat UC Davis at home, both squeaked out victories. But one of the things I looked at, and this is kind of going to favor the Bobcats in their three losses to Eastern to North Dakota state and Idaho state, 
they are giving up an average of 254 rushing yards in those losses. We've forced zero turnovers and they've turned the ball over 10 times in three cool. games. So you're not going to win a whole lot of football games with a negative 10 turnover margin, giving up 250 rushing yards a game. But if you go back and look at their four wins, they're only giving up 146 yards per game. And that includes 268 to Cal Poly, who does nothing but run the football. They forced eight turnovers, seven of those being interceptions, and they've only turned the ball over three times. So they're plus seven turnover margin in those victories. So it's pretty clear if they, have, if they win the turnover margin and they stop the run, they're probably going to win. So those are some of the things I just jumped off the page when I looked at the kind of compared stats, their victories and their losses. What, are, what do you make of that? Well, when you started going through your stats, I really start to think about how they are going to come at Montana State, and I don't think it's anything revolutionary. They're going to try to load the box and stop the run. Oh, absolutely. They're going to load the box. They're going to key on stopping the run, and they're going to make Tucker overbeat us. I mean, that's not rocket science to stop in the Bobcats. It's it's basically make our quarterbacks beat you until they prove that they can. And so far, it's been a long time since anybody really proved they can. Oh, for sure. And that's the same defense that teams were running against us last year as well. Yep. I mean, we we talked a little bit about this. Like, okay, Sac State came and really put the whoop down on us a little bit. Whoop down. What kind of freaking phrase is that? Um, <laughs> they they beat us handily. Uh, <laughs> whoop down. <laughs> so anyway, but it's not like there was some magical blueprint on what they did, right? Like I heard people talk about, oh, now the tape's out on the Bobcats. Well, the tape's been out on us for years. This isn't this isn't new stuff. We we run the ball and we can't really throw the ball. So I expect North Dakota to do more of the same. Um, Jeff Choate mentioned in his press conference they blitz about thirty five percent of the time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of amp that up a little bit to try and shoot some of the run gaps or some of the gaps we might be doing with our wildcat formation and also to get to Rovig and rattle them. So um, I think they're going to get after the quarterback and they're going to the box and make his roving make fastest decisions and that would be how i would attack the bobcats anyway and that's exactly what sac state did so if you're matt miller what's kind of like your game plan for this game because i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share mine real quick i think you have to have a really balanced attack against north dakota to start out with and then establish a run game through establishing you know a passing attack as well and then when we get into the third and fourth quarters just running down their throats. Yep. I mean, that's exactly what I would be doing as well. I would love to see some screen passes, something to try and take some pressure off of Rovig. Again, we haven't really seen those all year, so I don't know if we'll see some wrinkles. It's, it's interesting to hear Jeff Choate almost all year in all his press conference talk about how the team kind of did something, the opponent did something that they hadn't really seen on tape, like something they weren't really expecting. Do you think anyone's saying that about the Bobcats? <laughs> I never thought about that. I would that would be a resounding no, though. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I mean, I've I've listened to some press conferences here and there um, when I can. They're hard to find, harder to find than you think. But I listen to the press conferences of our opponents, like their their next press conference recapping the game, and I certainly haven't hadn't heard anybody say like they did some stuff we weren't expecting. Like it's, <laughs> but that's not. I mean, that's not Jeff Cho. Like we come out, we do what we do, and try and stop us. And if you stop us, well, then shit. <laughs> You see, that that needs to be a work upon for him because that is when we are getting stopped, we need to have some sort of backup plan. And when we don't, we just keep running the same stuff. We have the same looks. We have the same tendencies. 
And that's something I know that they were really focusing in on the bye week. But yeah, that's that's the tape on us for sure. Interestingly enough, um, I had some keys to victory here. One of the, one of the things I did put down was just stick to your script. This is one of the games where I think you just line up and you just beat them down with your physical talent, your physical prowess, and your athleticism. Don't do anything too cute. And I think it's kind of what your plan was too. Just kind of keep smashing them until the fourth quarter they run out of gas, especially since they're down with three defensive linemen in this game. Like you, you attack those young guys with our experienced bruising offensive line and just keep pounding them until they, until they give up, until you take their soul, if you will. Oh, for sure. And Montana State should really get something going in the short passing game. That's something that I would really think would ease that box up if we could have, like, like you said, a screen pass, some bubble routes, anything like five to 10 yard quick completions that Tucker Rovick could get early on. No, they don't need to be much. Like that's kind of the extension of the run game in a lot of offenses. You just kind of just throw a little three yard pass and the guy takes it two more yards and you got five yards. Like we can't get into third and logs because as we talked about on last episode, we are atrocious on third down conversion. So can't get ourselves in the third and long. That's going to be a key for every single game moving forward. But that's one way to kind of do it, you would imagine. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about in our pass game is we should integrate our running backs into our pass game a little bit more. And I think that would be something really easy for us to do. I know Logan Jones is certainly capable, and I know a, a Isaiah Infonse is certainly capable. If he, I have no idea if he's going to play or not, but or Logan Jones can play or not. But you haven't seen much from anybody else catch the ball. Certainly haven't seen Lane Sumner or Shane Perry even have a pass thrown at them. So, but yes, that would I would love to see that kind of stuff. But I just don't know if it's going to ever happen. So, do you think Infonse is going to play? What's your gut on that? My gut says no. Yeah, me too. Or if if it is, he comes in there, takes a couple snaps, and that's the end of it. Give me your quick take on how we're using Troy Anderson this year. It's hard to say. Like uh, he's been hobbled, so I don't necessarily blame the way we've used him on that entry. But he's he he's a factor on defense, but he's not he's not having any sort of all conference type season. So I don't know what I really think about the whole situation. But he's definitely. Is definitely human this year. <laughs> to me, it seems like a wasted year for Troy Anderson because he's not that great on defense right now. I mean, he's serviceable. At least he had a couple pass breakups, but maybe like two or three. He had a couple rushes early on before he got hurt in the SEMO game. And then when he comes in in offense, everybody knows what's happening. You know, you snap the ball to Troy. He has what, like two or three touchdowns, but those are all close goal line plays. It's not like last year where. He could take off at you know sixty yard romp at any moment, and that electric part to the offense last year was really the only thing that really carried us through. And so it feels like Troy has just largely been kind of like misused in a way, and it's just really prevented him from having any kind of impact on either side of the ball. I think what I'd rather see is MSU just use him specifically right now on the offensive side of the ball, and. He can tough it out for a little bit, but make a package or two where he's in the backfield where he might not even be getting the ball, but he's such a good decoy because of the history of he ha- of what he's done and just use him in that capacity. And then once in a while, give it to him, yes. But I, I don't think playing him on this the dual side of the ball right now is anything that's really helping Montana State. 
Well, if he's going to play defense, you can't really have him be a decoy too much because that's just putting unnecessary, you know, stress on him on the game. He's going to be running down the sideline or something, and he's not even going to have the ball. Like, if he's going to be on offense, he's pretty much going to get the ball because otherwise it's just a wasted rep. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, limit his reps. Don't play him on defense. Just put him on offense. Put him back there. You know, limit the contact. I, I understand what you're saying, Tony. But, like, limit the contact. Like, if we're going to run an option play, you know, have him as an option. Definitely not, like, uh, negate that. But don't play him on both sides of the ball. It's not working. It's, he's wearing out. He's not being effective. So save him and then just run him on the offense where people have to plan for him. People aren't really planning for Troy on defense right now. They're like, oh, hey, there he is. What's he done? Well, not much. But on offense... He's Troy Anderson. He's got the threat, of, and he's got the history to back it up. So, to me, if you're Montana State, Troy should be playing offense right now. It's hard not to kind of fantasize about that just because we have injuries. We have such hard time moving the ball in certain situations. To have a proven offensive weapon like Troy Anderson just kind of not being utilized. But, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of this is because he's injured. Like, he's not going to – he's not quite the same. Like, he's not going to break away stuff, and all you're doing is risking getting him hurt more. I really don't know. There's It's, it's a hard situation, and it's just, it's a little disappointing. I don't know if it's because of his injury, the way they're handling him, whatever. It's just, it hasn't been the year I think most people thought, were hoping for from Troy Anderson. Well, now now we're too far into it, so he can't take his red shirt. I don't think he would red shirt anyway. Yeah, it's just uh it's just a crappy situation. Yeah, I agree. So whatever he does in this game, I have no idea if if he got rested up in the in the bye week if he's going to be a little get more to go, but it even feels like if he gets back to like 95%, three plays in the game, he's going to hurt himself and hobble back off the field. It's just it just seems to be how it's been going for him this year. Yeah, how do you not reaggravate that ankle? I mean, same thing for Isaiah and Fonze and even like Logan Jones isn't re-aggravating it, but he's just got plenty of pain. It's like, how does Isaiah and Fonzie not just keep re-aggravating his injury, whatever it is? Like, it just seems to be he gets back in there and he tweaks it or comes right back out and like, oh, I can't go. It hurts too much. Like, I have, I have no idea what's going on with him either. So it's just a weird situation for all those guys. And Jeff Choate in the press conference pretty much alluded to, it's probably not going to get any better. Yeah, until the end of the season when we're not playing football anymore. Well, I do know that North Dakota from Jeff Choate's press conference is a pretty physical defense, well-coached. They play with passion and, and physicality, and he praised our tackling. So he praised a lot of what he saw on film for the North Dakota defense, and they don't give a, a ton of big plays. So having a big guy like Troy would help. You know, it's going to be a physical game, I think. So I hope we come out of this with not any more injuries because it, maybe it's one of those slugfest-type games where the scoring is not going to be anywhere near what people think it is. Going into the second half of the season you always think about these games and it's just kind of a a roll of the dice sometimes on how it's all going to end you know I mean look at Montana right now without Dalton Steen he might be coming back uh this week we don't know but you know that could be a game changer for them if he's if he's out so you're always an injury away from a key player that could really affect the trajectory of your season speaking of key players now is a good time to probably mention some key players for North Dakota. I almost said Sac State because, you know why? Because I was looking at Nate Ketteringham, who was a Sac State quarterback, what, three years ago? I I should know this, but I can't remember exactly. But he transferred to North Dakota, and he's had a pretty decent year. He's got 125 
quarterback rating. He's thrown for 1,236 yards, 247 yards a game, nine touchdowns, and six interceptions is really the only knock on his game so far as he has thrown some picks. Then you've got James Johannesson, who is a 6'1", 240-pound senior running back. That guy's a load. <laughs> he's got 79 carries for 268 yards, so he's not doesn't get the ball a ton, but he's averaging 4.7 yards per carry, and he's got six touchdowns. So he's definitely a guy who can plow through the defense and plow through arm tackles, so you got to keep an eye on him. Uh, and they have their kind of their own version of an offensive version of Troy Anderson. They got Brock Boltman, who is a 6'2", 212-pound redshirt sophomore. Jeff Choate talked about him in the press conference. He's going to take snaps at Wildcat. He has 21 carries for 195 yards, only 8.8 yards per carry and two touchdowns. He is 4-4 passing the ball for 165 yards and a touchdown. And he also has 19 receptions for 154 yards and three touchdowns. So he is a guy they move around on offense. They're going to try and get on the ball. And uh, I was listening to Bubba, Bubba Schweiger's press conference, who was the head coach, and he was comparing to like Travis Johnson and Troy Anderson, the guys that we do, we run the Wildcat out of. And he says that the way we do it, it's pretty similar, except that our guys are trying to get downhill. They're much more physical and they're just trying to get downhill on you, whereas his guy, Brock Boltman, is going to try and more bounce it. So at, he's probably a little bit more elusive um, than our guys. So those are kind of the key players on offense. Did you have any key players that you would uh, like to mention? You named them all, Kitteringham being the number one. I feel like I've heard that name, Kitteringham, for about 10 years now. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is going around the biggest guy, just uh, guys that are just like, how long have you been playing, man? I know. It's kind of like Case Cook is like, how how many years have I been seeing that name? <laughs> it's, it's just crazy how many times you're just like, you just lose track. All You know, you're like, oh, wow, now he's playing for, for UND. He's not at Sac State anymore. Okay, cool. But I think he had to sit out a season in order to do so. But yeah, Ketteringham's kind of the stir that, stir that straws the drink. Huh. Straw that stirs the drink. There we go. They're pretty good at pretending the quarterback. I think I heard they were like 27th in the country and sacks given up. So it's going to be another test for our defensive line to get to the quarterback. And I get this is where we get worried that if our front four can't get there, do we start blitzing or do we just keep doing what we're doing and let Kitteringham start picking us apart? Cause we can't get him on a roll because they have some big physical receivers that he can distribute the ball to. Yeah. Jeff Choate said, we're going to play a lot of base this week. And so uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on any exotic looks. Yeah. That could be nope. gaming chip, though. You never know. No, you can still blitz out of the base, but <laughs> we don't do we don't seem to blitz very often, and we do. It doesn't seem to work. I don't know why. I don't know why. And then the only defensive player I kind of keyed in on because uh, the Bennett kid, who's I think it's Mason Bennett, we, we we were talking about with Sam Herder, but he is injured. Pretty sure it's a hamstring injury. Sounds like he's not going to go. They lost two other linemen, I think, in the Cal Poly game as well. So they're down to, like, as Sam Herter was saying, like the freshmen and sophomores on there who don't have a lot of game experience. But one of the guys who is there, who has been a stud all year, is Donnell Rogers, who's 6'1", 238, senior. Um, Joe called him out, number 44, in the press conference. 74 tackles, 5.5 tackles for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble, and three pass breakups. So you got three pass breakups at a linebacker. That means you got some agility and you're moving around. You're going sideline and sideline. Oh, for sure. That's impressive. It's going to be a hard game. I think North Dakota is a, a good football team, and they're kind of a case of Jekyll and Hyde. They're kind of like Idaho in a way. Like, you don't know which version is going to show up. I like a lot of the matchups. I like 
the fact that their defensive line, they, they give, they've given up some big running games and their losses and their defensive line's a little depleted. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see if actually Montana State can capitalize on that. Yeah, you're going to hope they're going to run it down their throats and steal their soul, as you said earlier on. I think that's a huge thing for us going into this game. Uh, we're going to need to uh, continue to work on the pass game. That's something I'm going to continue to say week in and week out. And I think for our defense, we just need to get off the field. Uh, we're doing better. Like I said earlier on this week, we're seventh in, in the conference in third down stops. But what I'm really going to be looking for is can we get to Ketteringham? Uh, we haven't got to the quarterback in the last two weeks that we've had uh, ball games. We need to register a sack. Uh, I think that's going to be an important stat I'm looking for in the game. Agreed. Um, definitely going to be interesting to see if our defensive line can get any pressure because, as I've mentioned, that we have zero combined sacks for our last two opponents who aren't Cal Poly, who run a traditional offense. So I don't think we can afford to go three straight games without a sack. That would be pretty bad. I think that would be something that would be a recipe for disaster in this game. My other keys to victory, kind of wrapping up our discussion here on North Dakota, win the turnover battle because North Dakota's won every single game this year where they've had a turnover battle, they've won it or been even, and they've lost every game where they have had a negative turnover battle or margin. So those are another key for victory. And then, yeah, the other one, I guess I had you just mentioned, get to and rattle Kettering Just get to them. Just trying to figure out how to get to them and hit them. That's really quite simple. Um, in, in a way. Hard to execute, but that's what we need to do. I would agree, man. All right, man. Are you ready to move on? I am. Well, uh, let's finish today with maybe a bold prediction. Well, let's see. Before we do a bold prediction, I actually have some bi- or some over and under stuff I prepared for you. Holy cow. That's oh. new. All right, let's do it. S- snuck it in there. I didn't even tell you about it until just now. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's basically buy or sell over and under. It's the same thing. You just phrase it differently. But here we go. Over and under. The Bobcats rush for 250 yards. I'm, I'm going to go over. Okay. I'm going to go over, too. I'm just going to answer them as, as, as I do it here. Um, yes, I also will say over on that. Like I said, what was it? To 254 yards per game in their losses. That's kind of where I set the 250 over and under because I think if we get over 250, we have a good chance of winning. Yeah, I still think we go over. We always do the Bobcats getting sacks on these kind of things. I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to say the Cats give up 2.5 sacks. So is it going to be two or less or three or more sacks against Rovig? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about that. Uh, I say we... I'm going to go over. I say we're going to come out slow. We're going to try to do some new stuff on offense, and it's just not going to be working, and our line play is going to be... Mixed up. I just feel like the catch are going to come out slow. And maybe that's just me being a pessimist. I, and I think that they, that's what I think is going to happen, though. Rovig's going to take the brunt of it. Yeah, I'll probably say over on that as well. But uh, I think one of those sacks may be against a guy who's not Tucker Rovig. I'll throw that out there. Do you have any info on that? No, I'm just saying one of the other crazy things that we do, someone else is going to get sacked. <laughs> Like Kevin Cassis is going to take an end around to throw the ball and then get tackled by an line of scrimmage, which I believe would be a sack. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just saying something like that. Okay. Over and under, and I just went straight with Vegas on this one five times. The over and under for the points scored in the game is 59.5 combined points. That's what the line is. Mm, under. That seems pretty high. That's like 30 points 
like 35 to 28 type stuff there. So I'm going to, I'm going to go under because I think it's going to be a little more low scoring than maybe people are thinking in this one. I think it could be kind of a sloppy, hard fought physical game that isn't pretty. Do you remember the last time we played in Grand Forks? Not specifically, actually. I have, I, I blend, I blend them all together. Yeah. Chris Murray had a field day. Was that the last game? I believe so. We went out and, I can't remember the score. I was going to look that game up, but it was, we just waxed them. <laughs> it was like 42 to 21, but only because North Dakota like scored touchdown. I think garbage time to keep it even that close. Yeah. It was, it was one of the few games early on in the chill era that we were just like, whew, we just took it to them. I don't think maybe the first game that we just took it to an opponent in, in Choke's era, it was a fun game to watch. It was but, definitely uh, Chris Murray's, I think, best game as a Bobcat. Yeah, it just looked unstoppable, that that game. All right, last one for you. Over and under, going Jeff Choate style from the press conference, you will have shotgunned 0.5 beers by 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't remember the last time I shotgunned a beer. Maybe that might have <laughs> been that might have been college. I will have wh- – when is uh, when's the kickoff? You know, it's 11 a.m. Montana time, so it's going to be 10 o'clock our time. Woo. Yeah. Uh, no. I will be getting done with a run <laughs> and having like my second cup of coffee, and it's, I'm going to just be easing into the day. I might be even working on a little bit of yard work. At, and the leaves are falling over here. We got to get them raked up, and so I will probably be pressing time just to get to the computer to watch it. Isn't that exactly what shotgunning beer is for? Is to drink a beer in the least amount of time possible? I guess so. I know. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> no, Tony, you're wrong. Shotgunning a beer is not. Just to drink a beer in the least amount of time. The shotgunning a beer is for, is for the obvious reason. Well, yes, it's all because of condensed time. You just want to feel good quickly, right? <laughs> I'm a grown man, Thorny. I don't shotgun beer anymore. Yeah, me neither. I'm going way under on that one. Negative. I'm never shotgunning a beer again in my entire life. Maybe no. not until I'm like no. a at one of my, uh, my one of my kids' weddings, and I want to embarrass them. I shotgun a beer there, maybe. <laughs> this is such a weird question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's a weird see, question? That that one, the last one. I did see like some North Dakota Barstool Twitter account give props to Jeff Chope for saying that though. I had to I had to ask a question about it. It's a pretty hilarious comment. I had to incorporate it somewhere in this episode. And I I, I knew we would both go under. <laughs> That's why I set the over and under at point five, which is either you shotgun one pair or none. <laughs> oh man, Jeff Choke got increasingly punchy as that uh, that pressure went on. That was just fun to watch. It was pretty entertaining. All right, well, I hope everyone was entertained by this episode. Um, thanks again for listening, everyone. This is our second episode this week, so but we'll go ahead and tell you again where you can find us. The RR Catcast Twitter account is just that RR Catcast. Um, that's really the main place you can find us on Bobcat Nation under our recurring thread. You can find us there. And I want to once again thank Sam Herder of Hero Sports for coming on the show. That was really gracious of him to give us some of his time to come on and talk about North Dakota and the Bobcats in general. Yeah, the guy's a good dude. I mean, he knows so much. When I'm listening to him, I'm I'm just always amazed how much he knows about every team. Yeah, we got to plug his podcast for sure. If you guys aren't listening to BMAC and Herd's FCS podcast, I highly recommend it. I listen to it every week. Yeah, they cover every conference, and just their insights are just invaluable. And they do, and they do it from such a 
I mean, we're fans, and so you're you're gonna get Bobcat heavy like bias. They're not biased about anything, so it's just really cool to see what they have to say. Agreed. Thanks for listening, and go cats. Go cats. <laughs>